up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Meaning Enough Podcast. I am Ace. This is RB3. And this is the podcast where we talk about your favorite film directors and the deeper meaning within their films. And welcome to the one-year anniversary. Yeah. And for our one-year anniversary, we have our first in-studio guest, and that is oh. Mr. Cody Hall. Hey, guys. What's going on? Sound round of applause. Happy Thank, to be yeah. here. Thank you so much for having us, man. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on after I publicly uh, called you guys out on Twitter for, for <laughs> yeah. having me on. I appreciate that. I pulled a real Roka. It works apparently. Yeah. I guess I got to start doing that a little yeah, more often. Yeah. Yeah. Just call people out. It's like, man, they haven't had me on their show. I guess I got to call them out on Twitter. <laughs> How many followers <laughs> they got? All right, let's do this. Let's, yeah, let's call yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, either yeah, way, man, check. we appreciate it. We're oh, starting yeah. season two of the Meaning of Podcast. This is yeah, what I'm calling is, it. Is season two. Is That's exciting. Two, man. This is the darker season. It's officially been. This is where like the directors and stuff that you choose are like the really experimental ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we went through all the mainstream choices. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the crowd pleasing season. Yeah, you know. <laughs> this next, is where the critically acclaimed stuff comes the in. Next yeah. season, uh, yeah. RB3 has another partner, and he's like a Latino guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, what happened to Ace? <laughs> he's like, don't stop talking about Ace, man. Nah, it's not. Yeah, I'll just say you got like surgery, bro. Like, yeah, like exactly. soap operas. Yeah. Uh, but either way, we're starting off this new uh, season of the Meaning of Podcast with a guest, with an in-studio guest. That mm. being here at the Collider Studio now, we have the privilege of having guests, and I actually really wanted you to be our first guest, man. Aww. Not just because of the tweet, and not just because I texted you on your birthday and told you that. But also because you mentioned Spike Jones yeah. as a director that you would want to talk about yeah. on the Meaning of Podcast. Because I remember uh, about like six, seven months ago when we were on the Schmoes No Show, you actually came up to me and were like, have you guys done Spike Jones yet? Yeah. And I was like, no, nah, man. And he's like, oh, I wouldn't mind doing that. And I was like, all right. Cody's yeah, got I, a director in mind. Yeah, because I figured you guys have already done Spielberg, Nolan. You guys know all the stuff that everyone's, obviously, that's their favorite directors. But like Spike Jones is a weird one. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, as a skinny white hipster, of course, I gravitate yeah. towards the skinny white hipster director. Um, so I'm excited to talk about yeah, this. Spike yeah, Spike Jones is going to be an interesting episode. But before we get into Spike Jones, we're going to get into last week's comments where we talked about Shane Black. And uh, <laughs> we had a mixture of uh, discussions on Shane Black, on his yeah, films, and on some serious stuff, and on not-so-serious not stuff, because let's face it, most of his films aren't serious at all. Yeah. Um, but the first comment is from Travis Smith. He says, I think studios are going to think twice before giving Shane Black a big budget or franchise. Stick to small movies like The Nice Guys. I think that's kind of it. I think Shane Black... I was talking to a friend about it over the weekend because we were talking about The Predator and his like negligence, I guess, is what yeah. you can call it. I think... I don't think it's going to cost him his career, but I think it's going to cost him some time as far as studios kind of being like, mm, oh, yeah, I don't know yeah. if he can handle this yeah. type of money, and I don't know if he has the responsibility. The money. It's the money, man. He, it he, really he, is. You can't go with those big budgets anymore. Yeah. They'll probably just yeah. do another buddy cop, a low-budget buddy cop movie well, or something I, like that. I, I yeah. talked to RB3 about it. Obviously, you weren't here last week, but... Yeah. It, he kind of makes the same movie he does. over and he over. He does. Kiss, I Kiss, Bang, Bang, and the Nice Guys are like the, the same, same exact thing. movie. Yeah, yeah. They I even love have, both. Yeah. They, have the, they actually have like exact same shots, like the underwater naked shot is yeah. in both movies. Falling off a balcony is in both movies. Yeah. When Proto Cop falls off a balcony and then Ryan Gosling. I was like, dude, he's making the same movie. Like parties yeah. with boobs out. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, the Weapon has a lot of same, yeah. lot of same moments. So he kind of makes the same movie over and over again. So yeah. I'm assuming he's going to make the trilogy Something of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang yeah. Nice Guys and then yeah. he's going to make a part three to that it's, it's like one set in the contemporary one set in the 70s the next one got to be set in like the 20s or something I don't know yeah. could be yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. I don't know why I'm saying yeah. that yeah 
Christian Jacobs says, how would you guys feel about a Ryan Gosling Batman and a Jake Gyllenhaal Joker movie? What does that have to do? Wait, what does that have to do with Shane Black? Okay, Ryan let's, let's piece this together, guys. All right, piece this Ryan together. Ryan Gosling was in the nice guys. I think, okay. okay. Oh, okay, okay. I'd ask now, Gyllenhaal, yeah. that's, that's a whole other ballgame. Yeah, I don't know I how he piece that, that one from. together. I think it came from me. Okay. Because <laughs> you're I'm always, okay. I'm always talking about Jake Gyllenhaal and my passion for Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> don't we all have that passion? Everyone should have. Yeah, yeah. But either way, Ryan Gosling is Batman RB3. Your no, thoughts? No, 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 no. Cody? Probably not. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't think he'd want to. I don't think he wants to either. No. I think, you know what I think Ryan Gosling wants, and he's really trying? An Oscar. He yeah. really wants an Oscar. Because yeah. that first man trailer, I was like, ooh, he's like pushing them to well, I always out. say Ryan Gosling is like the best Ryan when it came to like picking parts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're talking about Ryan Reynolds and, you know, Ryan Gosling, you know. You like Ryan Gosling, right? I he's, love he's Ryan that Gosling. hipster yeah. skinny guy. Oh yeah, yeah. It's right in my demographic. It's right there. I can't yeah. turn that down. Yeah, he's really good. I think uh, Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah, uh, you, the you're, driver, right, you're right the about the Oscar thing. I think like with oh, each he's movie, trying. he's like you can see it in his face because yeah. it's literally about to explode. Like in Drive, mm-hmm. La La First Land. Man, he just like, like he's really La La Land. He looked like he wanted to explode, but he got he got a nomination. Yeah, he got a nomination for La La Land. He did. Yeah, he did. Nice. So he has like three Oscar nominations, right? Yeah, I think so. He's the next Leo. Where it's going to take him like twenty years. I don't get it. Yeah, he he wants to be taken seriously. Yeah. I think after he did what what was the movie Crazy Stupid Love? Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah. I think after he did that, he was like, everyone thinks I'm just this that hot was his guy. One crowd <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not nah, just nah. a hot guy. That was guy. a season one episode. Of, uh, <laughs> season one. Up right yeah, there, that was. I, mean, I love Crazy Stupid Love. I love movie. that yeah, movie. That's too. a love great it. movie. Yeah. 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 What's her name? Uh, Aunt May. Um, oh, Marissa Tomei. Oh my God, yeah, that's yeah. unfair. <laughs> unfair. Yeah, it's too, it's too much, man. I can't handle that on me. Yeah. I got some doing it right. I can't yeah. take her seriously at all. Um, LJ Panther says this movie was all kinds of trash. Requiem was the worst, followed by this one. Uh, that ties the Predator. Uh, that ties with Predators as dog shit movies with some great <laughs> elements. He's talking about the new Predator movie. <laughs> yes, mm. dog shit movies. I'm passionate about that one. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. what was your thoughts on the Predator? Oh, I didn't like it at all. Okay. Uh, so I, th- I thought there were parts Thank where you. I was like, all right, that's fun, but it seemed like it was a a movie that was just chopped and put together by m- too you. many different people. Thank you, Thank yeah. you Cody. I agree. They let Shane Black be Shane Black for like three scenes i think and then the rest was kind of all studio notes yeah yeah i I said the editing was pretty awful yeah really awful Mm -hmm. but i still had fun with it man i mean i've seen worse movies this year it's not that bad but it's just i don't like it were you a fallen kingdom guy no okay i watched that again this past weekend it is not good rb3 is a fallen kingdom guy he loves that movie maybe because i I care more about the jurassic park franchise than i do the predator franchise that's what we agree oh man you should have uh you should have seen our review of it because we talked about because i'm a jurassic park guy too you know that um and we did a review of it and we didn't know our thoughts going in and we (laughs) immediately i was like rb3 i hated this movie and he comes back and he's like i love this movie (laughs) him and brian man it's one of the weirdest things that they like that movie i was like how do you guys i would not if i was putting money down on vegas i'd be like all right they're not gonna like that yeah explains why i suck at vegas that's that you know to me fallen kingdom was finally the jurassic park movie that i thought like the jurassic park (laughs) franchise was the entire time you know and then finally like fit into the puzzle like just well well, that's my uh, obviously it's a far-fetched comparison to compare fallen kingdom and the predator but that's kind of my thing with it is like fallen kingdom doesn't take anything seriously neither does jurassic world but the first Jurassic Park kind of did. No, wait, and wait. I countered that. The first by, Jurassic Park did. Yeah, but yeah. but my counter is The Predator. Everyone thinks like this first 1987 
movie is like the serious dude, dark okay. and gritty well, movie. Dude, and now you, we're going it's a cheesy, over the top muscle guys. Stop Okay, okay. Hold on. It's like muscles shaking. Ace, I've been with you most of the time. Um, the first Predator is fantastic. Thank you. Oh, thank you, It is Cody. not just 80s cheese, which it is. It, it is, is 80s cheese. It is all 80s cheese. It is, there's a lot of that <laughs> in there. It's fondue, yeah, bro. That is a perfect example of, like, telling a story and then flipping it on your head, like, midway through it. Mm. Be like, what the fuck's going on mm. now? It's a brilliant story. Yes. I love this Predator. Yes. I like it, too. The but first I, Predator. I don't yes. think it's, like, this here, experimental Thanks, dark and gritty film. We gotta have or, more guests. They or, we like, more philosophical yeah. film. <laughs> Because for me, like at least Jurassic Park, you can you can tell like what what Michael Creighton wanted yeah, to do yeah. and what Steven Spielberg wanted to do was challenge the audience a little bit with some yeah. thoughts and with some questions. The Predator doesn't give you any questions. It's just a <laughs> bunch of guys shooting at an alien, versus like what making a comedy out of that. Because the Predator is a comedy, the new Shane the Black one. The new one, yeah, basically. Is. And Fallen King, not Fallen Kingdom, I wouldn't call it a comedy, In but it is kind of, it is. of a spoof. <laughs> yeah. If anything. It's, not a, oh, it's kind of a spoof, spoof, a parody. It's not yeah. a spoof. It's not a parody. <laughs> it's not a parody. That's what you said about the Predator. Yeah, but it's not even like, that's not even comparable. Like, oh, they weren't no. intentionally making jokes. Like, there was only one funny scene that was like, oh, this is like parody level. It was like Chris Pratt with the lava. I think that was a parody scene, you know? That's not how lava works. Yeah. That's not how lava works. <laughs> I think that's a parody scene. I definitely think that's a parody See, I don't you think see, the rest of the movie In the was. first Jurassic Park, I think they would try to get lava right. Okay? Yeah. In, in, the set, in this last one here, it's just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, not just that, but the fact that I still love it. And everyone has said it before, so I'm not original by saying this. But either way, the whole, like, you get your giant gun and yeah. you point it at your enemy. <laughs> then what do you do? You wait for the dinosaur to get there. <laughs> it's like, wait. <laughs> just, like, stare to the last possible second. Yeah. It's like, wait, can I just shoot the guy? I mean, yeah, but that's not that cool. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so either way, if you're going to get a gun and point it at someone, wait for a dinosaur to get there first. Yeah. Uh, last comment, Severed and Bleach says, gotta go with Ace on the Predator. I'm not gonna sit here and defend the movie, but I had fun with it, and it didn't put me to sleep like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Okay. Okay. There you go, pushing in there. That was a random comment that <laughs> I just read, guys. Hey. It was handpicked by a Ace012. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. I gotta start picking the comments, man. Yeah. I, I know for sure there's at least two comments <laughs> on my side. There's at least two. I read one that called it dog shit. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, alright, you're, right, you're right. Either way. A lot of conversation yeah. came out of that comment. A lot of right conversation, there. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, the comment section is real fiery this week. Um, <laughs> got, got me fired up, please. So let's get into this week's episode. And before we get into this week's episode, I want to get into our guest, mm, Cody okay. Hall, the man. And I feel like we're going to do this. This is me telling RB3, obviously, because he doesn't know. Yeah, I don't know I anything. Surprise, Robert. No, he literally <laughs> just shows up and he's like, hey, I'm going to do something different. I was like, Feels okay, like we're what? both guests and today. Like, Here we yeah. go. Let's see what's going to happen. I'm sorry, man. Guess tomorrow show. But I, I just feel like if we're going to have guests on the show, we should get to know them a slight bit. Obviously, oh, yeah. we're not going to make like a, you could try. Don't be a you'll, you'll be disappointed. But yeah, go ahead. Um, <laughs> You'll be disappointed with what I give you here. Obviously, we all know each other through the schmoes nose, mm-hmm. and you were the intern before me. Yeah, the one right before me, um, and that's how we met. That's how yeah. RB3 and Cody met as well. And obviously, if you're going to intern for a movie podcast, it's because you have some sort of love for movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I can't lie, Cody. Just on a side note. I, I remember seeing that picture of you and Mark and then Christian tweeting out. I, I think Were you the guy Christian. that said, uh, F that guy, I know way more about movies than him? Because I still remember that. My first day at Schmoes, <laughs> Mark posted that picture and this guy was just furious that I was the new intern. And no, I like, but I, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's definitely not. That's yeah. pretty much everyone else's yeah. comments on yeah. everything. But uh, 
I do remember thinking to myself, oh man, I would have loved to have done that. Mm-hmm. That's that's too bad. I, I really would love to be like an intern for that show. And who knew that a couple months later, it sure was. Right hey. around the corner, dude. But, yeah. uh, but either way, that's how we met. And obviously we had the epic uh, Cody wedding. Because oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that was a lot of fun. Thanks I know. for being there, both of you. Was that, that, was, that was a great time. That was a blast, man. Yeah. That was a blast. I remember I was talking to my, my buddies over the weekend. And we were talking about the urge to dance because sometimes <laughs> it comes upon you. You were out there um, for a little bit. I was, I was keeping my eye out for yeah, you. I was like, I wonder if Ace is going to come out there. I wonder if Ace is going to come out there. I wonder if Ace is going to come out there. Ace is going to come out there. Ace is going to Once Sing Street came on, he was out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to yeah. join you in for that. I love that. <laughs> the world unites for Sing Street. Absolutely. It brings people together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but either way, I, I had a lot of fun, man. I told my friend that that's the last time I, I danced and he was heartbroken. He was like, man, you should dance more often. Do you dude? Like it's just a good feeling. Yeah. We're going to end this episode with dance. That's what <laughs> we're going to do. Yeah, let's dance. Yeah. But, uh, but either way, man, uh, you've, do you, are you from L.A. originally, like this area? Because I know um, RB3 is. I've always grown – I've never – not like born in L.A. I was, grew up in uh, Corona, which is basically an hour and a half outside L.A., mm-hmm. born and raised there. And uh, rarely ever came to the city here, though. I was gotcha. usually – any like big drive would be like to San Diego or Orange County or something like that. It would never be to L.A. And I realized it's because I kind of hate it here. Well, I hate like downtown LA where it's like all just so congested and everyone's just so angry all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like like right now I live on the – I live in LA County technically, but it's on the border where Mm. it's like it's a little bit more spread out. You can enjoy yourself a little bit. But, you know, this is where – what we do, you know, this is the whole area. So. Sure. Yeah. I got nothing against that. Speaking of what we do, um, was it always your plan to move out to LA? Was that like a high school thing yeah. or like a college uh, thing? I always knew I wanted to get into film and shit in high school, but uh, around college, me and my classmates had like, oh, sorry, uh, had arranged to like get a place out here and all that stuff. And then I met my uh, my girlfriend who eventually became a wife hey. and uh, derailed that whole plan, but uh, glad, glad to have that happen. And yeah, that was kind of my whole thing. Uh, I didn't think I was going to get the Schmoes job because I was still living in Corona when I applied mm. for it. I remember they originally posted like six months before I even applied. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to apply. There's no way they even want me to do it. And then they po- uh, posted it again. And I was like, okay, well, what the hell? I'll give it a shot. And then it all worked out. And then uh, the rest is history. That's, true. That's right. super cool, man. Yeah. And what what was the – I mean, obviously, RB3 and I have talked a lot about what movies kind of inspired us to kind of take this journey into this crazy industry mm-hmm. that it is because it's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what kinds of movies, what movies – you don't have to name one. You can name two or three or four yeah. – um, the biggest one, obviously, was Jurassic Park. That was the one that yeah, I loved as a right. kid, and that was the one I always watched more than anything in the world. But the movie, I think, that got... I've brought this up many times, but the movie that got me into movies and told me that they can be more than just fun was Collateral. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, again, is about a guy who hates L.A. Um, <laughs> so, naturally, I fit right in. Right. Uh, but, yeah, that movie, I remember seeing it when I was, like, 12 or 13, and I was like, this is really cool. And then I just started to get into movies after that and then started writing in high school and stuff, and then... Bam. What is uh what is the uh, ultimate goal, man? Is it directing, writing, editing? Yeah, I went to school with, for with not an emphasis in writing, but like that was that was the most of the classes that I took. I wanted to be a screenwriter and all that. Learned immediately that that is a very bad idea if you're trying to make money, um, especially out of college. And <laughs> but you know, I got that experience, and I'm I'm glad I did it. And uh, that's my favorite thing to do. So the end game, I guess, would be to be a working screenwriter, developing into. A, a production company and all that stuff and running your own thing that would be the end game but you, uh yeah would you consider tv 
Oh yeah, I've written TV before. Gotcha, yeah. mm-hmm. gotcha. Because I feel like I think TV is a little bit as as someone who's like worked with a few writers and stuff. The, the stuff they've been grinly, grit, grinlit, greenlit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, <laughs> grinlit. Take your time. Yeah. So, Greenlands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. uh, I know you're nervous there. that I'm here, Ace. It's okay. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry about it. I can't believe I'm talking to Colin yeah, Hall. Yeah, it's our first like kind of internet yeah. type type deal. Ten thousand followers on Twitter, man. Not yet. Not yet. We're not there yet. Okay. That's a lot of followers out there right now, right? Yeah. I, every time I go to your Twitter, man, it's like, man, this guy tweets just like trying to catch once up to a me. month, and he's got. When like I 10, do tweet, it's fu- it's freaking golden, dude. <laughs> it is yeah, always yeah. golden. Yeah, it's yeah. always golden. Yeah. Either way, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting for what what happens with screenwriters because screenwriters have a very difficult. Yeah. Um, you got to just kind of have fun doing it to yeah. where you can do it, like when you get home at night. You know what I sure. mean? When you get back from work, and you're like, I'm gonna write a couple pages, and you're like, that that's it's become like a hobby. You know what I mean? Something sure. you can enjoy doing. Yeah, that's great, man. I feel like screenwriting is something that goes under scene quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's mm-hmm. that's really cool, man. So yeah. is it is it? Um, would you consider anything else? Would you consider directing? Would you consider acting? <sighs> Look, I'm not. I I would never want to be a director. I don't think just because gotcha. I'm not a bossy person at all. Sure. I don't think I can tell. I have like. Asking you guys to do something like during Schmoes back in the day, I was like, "Can you guys fix that?" Just whenever you have time. I know uh, it needs to be fixed right now. That's just whenever right, it's right, right. Just, I don't. I hate like <laughs> telling people what to do. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love the idea of like being a producer and owning a production company. That's that seems like something I could do. But as like developing ideas and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. that's great, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I always forget like you're you're so much younger than me. All of you guys are way younger than Not me. Not that younger. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I know. We're man. in the same area. Yeah, Every time yeah, someone's yeah. like twenties, three months together. younger. It's yeah, like, yeah. You're a child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> back in my day um, back but, when bread was a nickel uh, <laughs> seriously um, back when bread was I remember those times no I'm kidding um, <laughs> are you Roker right now or? either way uh, Spike Jones. <laughs> yeah. there's a reason why you chose this film director mm-hmm. yeah. tell us that reason Mr. Uh, Cody it was, what uh, is it about his films uh, well it was also during the time that I mentioned before when I first saw Collateral that time where I'm discovering that movies can be more than just fun and I sure. think uh First movie I saw from him was Adaptation. Yes. Okay. And I was like, whoa, this is freaking awesome. And as a screenwriter. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, (laughs) it was right when I was like getting into writing and shit. And I was like, this is, this is right up my alley. This is perfect. And then I just, I watched all of his other stuff and I, I, I think the guy's fascinating. That's great. Especially since he'll do stuff like that and he's won Oscars and then he'll produce stuff like Jackass. Yeah, and yeah, like do yeah, music yeah. videos for Jay Z, and it's just it's so weird his his yeah. whole spectrum of stuff that he's done. That's yeah. that's uh, it's funny because that's kind of like a follow up question of mine is like, what is his you know target demographic? But then again, when it comes to his music videos, yeah, when you see the kind of artists that he works with, he doesn't really have a certain specific demographic, considering he's done so many artists, but. His movies do have a specific voice, I feel, personally. Yeah. Um, you you are self-described, as you said before, film hipster or yeah. hipster guy? I say that like in a self-deprecating way. I don't, yeah. I don't like to be called that at all, but <laughs> I, I definitely look like that. I can I can guarantee that. I kind of feel like that yeah. may be his audience mm-hmm. when it comes to feature films. I don't know if you agree with that, RV3. I don't agree. But when it comes to... I'm not a, I'm not a hipster. So yeah, yeah, he likes it. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. I'm definitely not. Yeah, you're going to see how much I like his movies. We're going to get into it. Yeah. Ooh, I'm so yeah, excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But before we get into his feature films, Let's get into a little bit of his music videos. Now, mm-hmm. I sent you, Cody, a few music videos that are very popular Spike Jones films. He has a lot. Like yeah. RB3 said beforehand, he has a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like about his um, music videos is the fact that he always brings in something different and he always works with different artists, which I feel yeah. like that's because there's a lot of music video directors that work with the same artists over and over again, which is great because you can make some great content with that. But 
what is it about making a music video that can translate so well into making great movies? Because we've talked a lot about music video directors. I mean, we talked about David Fincher, who's a very famous music yeah. video director who became David Fincher, you yeah. know, Oscar-nominated David Fincher. Yeah, Michael Bay. Um, Michael yeah. Bay is another one. So music videos are, it's either short films or music videos, I feel personally, that kind of get that foot in the door when it comes to directing. When you want to say, hey, I want to be a director, okay, try a music video yeah. or try a short film. Mm -hmm. um, but music videos are like a takeoff point. So what do you think it is about the making of music video itself that can translate so well into making good movies. I think it's how they find their voice. You know what I mean? It's how they find their style. Uh, a lot of his early stuff was campy. His mm -hmm. early music videos, like you saw with the Weezer one and the mm -hmm. Beastie Boys video, like it's yeah. all it's it's self referential and it's it's way from to like poke fun at I guess the genre is or the industry is trying to break into before he even breaks into it. And it's it's right. kind of weird if you think about it that way. But yeah, what's yeah. your uh, what's your favorite music video of his RB three? Um, my personal favorite, no, I, have, I have two favorites. Okay. Um, I'm, I was trying to look up the one he, the one where Christopher Walken's like dancing. That's Fat Boy hotel. Slim, right? It's Fat Boy Slim. All right, yeah, that one. And then um, I also really love uh, Notorious B.I.G. Uh, Sky's the limit. Yeah, where's uh, the little Weezer? Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, the Biggie video that that was nice because it's a you know he, he, uh, Big Ari passed at that point, so yeah. he casted a bunch of little kids, which is like funny because it's like like kind of a satire. Of like, oh, it's like childish shit, but it's also like kind of inspiring because the song's about being, you know, sky's the limit. So, yeah, still potential. So, I, I thought it was really dope. Um, I also love his commercials too. He did, he did a couple commercials that really, really dug. He did this one for IKEA. It's called like Lamp. I don't know if you've ever seen it. If you guys have ever seen I've it, I've heard it's, those it, words IKEA, Lamp, Spike Jones. I've heard that. I don't yeah, I've actually yeah. seen it. It's, it's literally like the weirdest like commercial ever. Like, yeah, hmm. I don't know if we should play it right now, but. Because I don't think it'll play well on the audio, but... <laughs> I'll imagine it. I'm yeah, we'll imagine it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. want to buy some stuff. What about yeah. you, Cody? What is your favorite Spike Jones music video? Uh, probably the Sabotage one, mm. I would think. I remember watching that as a kid all the time. I didn't even know he directed it until you sent me the link. I was really? like, oh, I didn't know he did this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that one's a lot of fun. I remember watching that all the time on MTV2. MTV2. Um, Control Freak. Do you guys remember that show? You weren't even born. I wasn't. Uh, the show, see, it was like people would vote on videos. Like, they would vote on which the next vi what the next video would be. Oh, really? And for some reason, Beastie Boys Sabotage, a video from like 15 years before the show even was on, <laughs> uh, kept getting voted. And it was, it was fun. Yeah. That's was that on MTV? That was, M I think it was called Control Freak, and it was on MTV2, I think. Uh, back who, when that, that a, channel played music videos. Was there a host, though, for that? <laughs> no. Oh. No, it was just like a... Uh, it was weird. It was like you see the video and then it had like a sidebar where it had like oh, three yeah. options that people voted on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I do remember that. Yeah. Um, just for the audience, uh, an example of the kind of artist that he's worked with. I mean, he's worked with Weezer, Beastie Boys, R.E.M., uh, the Chemical Brothers, Fat Boy Slim, Fat Lip, quite a lot mm -hmm. with Fat Lip. Uh, Bjork, he's in a lot of Bjork. Or Bjork. Bjork. I've never known how to pronounce it. Yeah. I know not how to pronounce yeah. it either, yeah. It's Kanye tough. West, Kanye Biggie, West, yeah. uh, Jay-Z. I mean, the guy doesn't have a specific type of artist that yeah. he works with. He, do, mm -hmm. he goes from hip-hop, he goes from experimental hip-hop to, like, mainstream hip-hop to, like, Beastie Boys to Weezer, which mm -hmm. is a very specific audience for Weezer. I love Weezer, so I think it's, it's Cody's great. the audience for Weezer right there. <laughs> Once again, white people. Uh, right here. Right here yeah. but, uh, but some of the videos I, sh I showed you, I, I, I shared with you, the um, is it Buddy Holly? The Buddy yeah. Holly one? Oh, yeah. Good karaoke song. I feel like everyone's seen that. Have you seen that yeah. music video? Yeah. Where, where it, it, it kind of mixes in footage of Happy Days, mm -hmm. and it makes it seem like he's playing for like that Happy Days place. Mm -hmm. um, so we have the Fonz kind of breaking it down and getting down to it. <laughs> uh, and obviously Bjork Bjork is kind of like 
known for their weird music videos yeah. or like their very specific yeah. music videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I do remember um, working for a certain company that would um, try to take rights to music videos and try to make their own version of like an MTV. Oh, interesting. Um, and I remember Bjork coming up quite a bit, so I've seen quite a few of uh, Bjork's music videos. And uh, they're always super weird. And they're always like super distinct and super cinematic, super like visually beautiful and all that stuff. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's crazy how he can go from all these different artists and all these different types of music videos. I also shared with you guys the the Get Back with Ludacris, <laughs> yeah, which is probably my favorite. That's one of the most ridiculous videos I've ever seen. It's, it's so cool. It's funny, but yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's weird. It's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Spike Jones. It's it's kind of interesting now that he's so well regarded as a music video director, and that people can actually big artists can go to him and say hey i have this idea what do you think of this like even two weeks three weeks ago oh, when little pump little pump and kanye, kanye west, west <laughs> uh, he did i love it. it yeah oh, wow. well he uh he didn't direct it, it was, okay. he executive produced it but uh, yeah yeah i don't know what that really means for a music I, video i think <laughs> he's like that's a cool idea <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> know man i, I kind of feel like he it had, feels like a spike jones it does where they're yeah, like in the little box suits you've seen the video right not not the one you're talking about oh no way yeah yeah I'm I not mean, hip with today's music videos. It's not, guys. it's not in the show. Like I could really show you a picture, and it's the entire music video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's basically uh, rapper Little Pump and rapper Kanye West are, <laughs> are you okay. rapper Little Pump, rapper uh, Kanye West, African American men. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Little Pump. I don't even know. I don't know about that guy. Uh, uh, hey, uh, so I, podcaster Ace Cabrera, so Weezer yeah. guys, uh, <laughs> rock band white Weezer here. people. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> it's like I describe it like a snobby British. <laughs> <laughs> they appear to be in these box yeah. suits and they're walking down a hallway. I don't know what purpose um, uh, somebody named Lil Pump will be like yeah. other than being a rapper. You know? Like, <laughs> like a gas station attendant or something like that? <laughs> or like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Or the barista is like, can I have a Lil Pump yeah, of that? Lil Pump. <laughs> Lil Pump. You get that Lil Pump special. Lil Pump All of right. that pumpkin yeah, spice yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's great around Halloween time. Either way, time, it's yeah. basically Kanye West and <laughs> yeah. Little Pump, okay. and they're dressed in box suits, and they're in the hallway, and they're like miniaturized or appear to be miniaturized, okay. and they're in like a, a weird like neon colored hallway. They're walking down the hallway, and they're chasing after this girl who's like normal size, but they're small, and they're just looking at her butt the whole time, and then yeah. just chasing after them. Okay, that's the perfect description of this yeah, music video. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is not a, they, they premiered at the Porn Hub Awards. Oh, Cody, yeah. so okay. It's not like high art we're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. But I it's mean, funny. it's kind of high art. No. <laughs> it's kind of a big For deal me. now, Robert. Come on. Yeah. But I guess my point is, he continues to make stuff, yeah, or even executive yeah. produce stuff, whatever that means, as you said before. Either way, he's still making stuff. So yeah. I, I just find it fascinating the way he can transfer over. Yeah to take those skills to make very distinct voice in his music videos, mm-hmm. even though it's such a different, you know, artist levels and artist, you know, demographics to make feature films. Because I feel like that's almost the biggest thing to have in whether it be making films, making short films or making music videos is to have a voice, yep. is to have a style. And I feel like, you know, if anything, that's probably the biggest question is like, if you were to try and nail down what is the Spike Jones voice or what is his style or what is the reoccurring theme that comes up in all his movies, now we're transferring over to movies, Yeah, what do you think that is? 
What do you think weird, is like this is a Spike off. Jones yeah. movie? Like yeah. that's what makes you say that. Yeah, I guess there's there's a hint of like melancholia to it mm. to most of his stuff. Um, kind of like a happy sad type thing. Mm. But mm-hmm. uh, like the, yeah. the, the, the double sides like of, of life, you know? Yeah. I mean, like he shows you the happy. I get that. I like yeah, that. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like I, he's I, he's I, not afraid to show sadness in his movies, but like well poking fun at it, I guess, mm. in that sense. If that makes any sense. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, well, I, I kind of think what's most fascinating about like Spike Jones personally is that I think that all of his movies, we really look at all of his movies, they're all set inside of somebody's mind, mm. you know? Um, being John yeah. Malkovich is set inside somebody's mind. Adaptation, adaptation. I mean, argue, I mean, you could argue if it's like real or surrealism or like what is it going for? But like, I think it's kind of mostly internal. I mean, the way the movie ends is a little, little too meta to not assume that yeah. where the wild, you know, where the wild things are is supposed to be a metaphor. And of course, her is like, you know, her is like the mind being outside of the outside of the body. So yeah. that's why I kind of felt that. But yeah, that's that's the recurring I see personally through, through Spike Jones. You know what yeah. my follow up question is for you guys is what makes a what makes a, a well known actor like a John Malkovich, like a Meryl Streep want to work with a sp- with like a first time feature film director? I always and this is something that's like a personal question for me because I always wonder like what makes these great actors work with first-time directors is it their short films is it their music videos is it the script because i've seen a lot of interviews with you saw hereditary mm-hmm. right you're a fan of that movie yeah, big fan um ari aster right who's mm-hmm. a first-time director what makes people like tony collette mm-hmm. is that her name um or or the guy who played the husband gabriel Byrne. yeah, yeah you know well-known actors yeah <laughs> want to work with a first-time director on this creepy horror film like yeah that's such a fascinating question for me because i feel like nowadays actors of that caliber want to work with like Scorsese's and want to work with like big names to give them the award push or give them the challenge to do something different. But when it's a first time director, if anything, if I'm a well known actor and I'm like an older veteran actor, I'm going to be like, mm, I don't know, I'm going to, I'm not going to work with this 26 year old kid or 32 year old kid who's just starting to make movies. Yeah. What makes these actors, John Malkovich and Meryl Streep and all these actors, want to work with a Spike Jones, a music th- video director? I think it's a combination of all the things that you said already. And then also, from everything I've heard, like in some of the situations, is that they want the director to be passionate about the, what they're making. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's, of course, an easy thing to say. But like I remember who Emma Stone. Emma Stone was talking about La La Land. Mm. And of course, you know, Whiplash had come out at that point, so Damien Chazelle had a name. Um, at that point, but she remembers. I think she said that she, the main reason she joined La La Land was because he was so passionate about the project and he wanted it to be as great as it could be. And I think a lot of times, a lot of directors just kind of go, you know, by the numbers and they just make their movie. But like, I think especially if you're a young guy, you have to show them that you're serious about what you're trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. And right. you have to have a shit ton of talent and as much resume as you possibly can, mm-hmm. right? 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 Right, yeah, right? Which Spike Jones did at that point. Uh, before making being John Malkovich, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, like you said, it, I I think that's exactly. It. I think he has such a strong vision. I mean, especially when you look at some of these concepts. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. You, if if you know, you're to tell somebody the concept of being John. Mal- if you're to go to John Malkovich and tell him, "Hey, I have this movie that I want to direct. Your name is on it, and I want this to be this." Like yeah. you have to like. It's all firm- hinging on John Malkovich saying yes. Yeah, really? yeah, literally. <laughs> like. Well, the irony of that RB three is the fact that it's Joe Malkovich. I mean, this yeah. guy's kind of notorious yeah. for yeah. being not easy to work with. Yeah, but I think it's I think I think also actors who are a little more experimental also do the sure. do, yeah. like like working with first time because I know, you know, we talked about Tarantino and Harvey uh, uh Harvey Keitel mm-hmm. uh was the guy who really backed Tarantino for the Reservoir Dog script 
mm-hmm. got that through. So it's you know I think it was almost the same kind of thing with this situation. I I heard I did hear that they when they brought being John Malkovich to the studio, the studio like literally asked like okay like being John Malkovich why can't it just be called being Tom Cruise or something you know like a yeah. big star, yeah. but because. That you know, that's that's the vision. That's what they wanted. They wanted that specific kind of tone, that specific kind of persona behind his movie. So it's just super fascinating that he held so strong to that throughout his entire creative process. Yeah, yeah. for me, that's always a fascinating aspect of filmmaking is the fact that giving a first time director a chance to make something and then giving them the right cast so that movie can be somewhat of a success, right? Because any first time film director can make a feature film, but making a feature film with a cast like a Jal Malkovich or even like the stuff Steven Spielberg did, like when he would do TV work, he worked with big actresses. No. Same with Fincher, he would work with some big time actors. I mean, even his first, even as crazy as Alien 3 was, because it was a crazy process, he still was given this It's cast. Sigourney Weaver who it's was Sigourney leading a franchise. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was still given that chance, even though he was a young kid music video director who seemed to be really talented, like you said. Yeah. So I, I just personally find that fascinating. But either way, let's get into his first film, which is being Joe Malkovich, which is kind of like his claim to fame. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's still what he's known for. I mean, obviously, her kind of took off and kind of gave him a bigger name. But being Joe Malkovich was such a weird film yeah. <laughs> that it kind of gave him a name for being that quirky genius, I guess is what you could say about Spike Jones, considering walking out of this movie. I, I, I'm curious... Because obviously this movie came out in 1999, which I was eight years old. I was watching yeah. Phantom Menace in the Matrix in 1999. Um, so I wasn't interested in this movie at that time. No. But I'm so curious about like not just box office numbers, which I guess I could look up, but also like the audience reaction watching this movie in theater, right? Yeah. Because watching this at home, like you can watch this movie at home like I did. It's fine. It's whatever. You're, you're, you know what you're getting into. But when you see the trailer for this movie and then you go to the theater to watch this movie, I'm so curious about like an audience reaction to it because it's such an odd film. But obviously, I want to talk to you guys about it because you guys are the big Spike Jones fans. What is your scale of love for this movie? How much do you guys like it? How much do you guys love it? How much do you feel like it truly is like an original type of movie? Oh, it's super original. Um, this is probably the one. Yeah, this is definitely the one of Spike's that I've seen the least. I think I've seen it once, maybe twice. Mm. Um, but I, I just keep thinking about what you said. Like, if this thing came out today, it would be distributed by A twenty four. Yeah, yep. Have a trailer that a bunch of film snobs liked. Yep. And then it would probably uh, get like three million opening weekend of the mm. box office and get like a D plus cinema score. That, yeah. And then they'd be like, oh, it's still great though. And then like in five years, it would get cult following. Right. But, yeah, right. That's right. how I would predict it going. It go on Amazon. Yeah. Amazon Prime would be the only exactly. place you could find yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. With, yeah. Would the Twitter, the official Twitter account, be like trolling people the yeah. whole time? Yeah, 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 yeah. Guys, Someone takes over John Malkovich's Twitter account, <laughs> and it's like a different person controlling it every time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's lit. No, yeah. That would be a lit. That's that's a lit promotion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that that to me is like the biggest thing is like people's reaction to these types of movies, but especially back in 1999, I feel like people were slightly more open to this type of experimental yeah. stuff. Yeah. But what, what about you, RB3? Do you uh, love this movie? Um, yeah, this is... Um, well, listen, I don't hand out a lot of 10 out of 10s on this podcast. Oh, damn. Wow. But I think uh, being John Malkovich is very warranted of uh, the 10 out of 10. It's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Jurassic World. Being John Malkovich. This to me is easily my favorite Spike Jones movie. Um, really? And yeah, I just... I remember watching this um my uh, i want to say like my junior year of high school or something like that sophomore year something like that but it was like so it it blew my mind so hard because i never 
I can never imagine a concept that, you know, original, I guess, to a certain extent. And, you know, kudos to the writer, Charlie Kaufman, who, of course, has written this one and Adaptation and Tony Sunshine, Spotless Mind and, and Silitrope, New York, and all these great movies. Um, but this one in particular, I just felt like it really resonated because it's about the whole idea of control, right? Sure. How we want control, how we manipulate control, and how every character kind of resembles a different facet of that. Like how John Malkovich is like losing his control by having people control his mind, control his body. But we have the control freaks and and like John Cusack, you know, with his puppets. But then Cameron Diaz is like the opposite side of that. She has a control freak problem too, but with pets, right? With like living animals. Mm-hmm. So it's like how all of those three like kind of, you know, it kind of weaves together in a super weird way, but it's super smart. And I don't know. I love it. I love it. I watch this movie. I've watched this movie like a lot of times. So I, 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 I've, uh, I don't know how many times I've watched do you feel it. Like that, it's it's dope, dope for me. Do you feel like that control aspect is also like a commentary on power and how we how we view power itself mm. and how maybe that's how... You guys get deep on this show. This, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. how kind of the characters themselves like view the, the concept of power. But I mean, obviously control, but it's also the concept of like... I'm my own director of my own movie. Like I can make my own decisions based on characters that I can just do whatever I want because it's, yeah. a, it's a basically like being the puppet master, right, right, um, and being the puppet master of whatever you want it to be and taking full advantage of it too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you. No, I think follow. that's. I mean, I think that's where I think that's the whole meta aspect of it too. It's like the art of creating something that. The art of creating something is essentially putting control into creating it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when you're an artist, you're going to paint something yourself. You're going to you know, puppeteer something yourself. you got to direct something yourself. And I feel like this is kind of a peek into the into how we puppeteer people and how we use an actor like John Malkovich <laughs> who is who is you know uh, uh, even though you know known for being I guess known for being difficult to work with he's also a very well regarded actor yeah. in both stage and screen so he's obviously you know he resembles a lot of other people anyway and by other people I mean like other parts of the characters you know mm-hmm. so he's you know he's never really himself to begin with so it's just fa- it's just fascinating that that's the parallel that's made you know could so I think a, it's super meta like on, on that level yeah it could be a statement on acting in general too mm-hmm. like you know how we're always becoming other people regardless and it could just be a reflection on that I just thought about that right right, cool. right right yeah. right uh, right side note it made one million opening weekend <laughs> <laughs> a million dollars opening weekend <laughs> that's, yeah, they yeah weren't we weren't far it, off man. guys we were <laughs> Far off with our guests there. They weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for did it. Did it get man. Oscar nominations? I know Adaptation did. did uh, I don't know if this was nominated for three Oscars. It was. Okay. Interesting. So wow. Best uh, Supporting Actress for Kathleen Keener, Best Director for Spike Jones. Oh, nice. And um, Best uh, Screenplay, of course. Um, and this is weird because this is Spike Jones' like, actual debut, right? Yeah. yeah. He got yeah. nominated for Best. I mean, it's not weird. I love it. I think that's yeah. that's great. That's great. You yeah. just rarely see that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. How would how would you guys classify this movie? What genre is it? Uh, I feel like that's a tough question because I, I mean, yeah. at points it's very funny, right? So many different absurdist comedy, absurdist comedy, experimental. That's pretty good. Yeah. Sci-fi. But I think you know that's what's drama. I, that's what I love about Spike Jones because I feel like all of his movies you can't really categorize into no. one specific genre. You know? I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I was going to say when I, I, I saw, I rewatched Adaptation on Hulu because it's on Hulu and mm-hmm. I have Hulu. Yeah. 
You should get. You guys should read Hulu's description of it. It's so funny. Do they just give up midway through? Like, like, so a screenwriter, <laughs> screw it, uh, watch it. It's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hulu's uh, is like, uh, check out this crazy cool comedy from the creators cool of comedy. Being John Malkovich. And uh, I was like, what is this? Like Disney Channel's description? <laughs> a comedy? Like adaptation? I don't consider adaptation a comedy. Uh, I mean, there's yeah. funny points of it, but I just feel like it's funny because classifying these movies, giving it a genre, is so difficult to yeah, do, especially tough. with a Being John Malkovich, which has a ton of like funny moments right. but at the same time it's difficult for me to say oh yeah it's a comedy or is it a comedy i don't know yeah i mean i don't know i think it, i think i i think it's more there's a lot of funny in it like maybe there's like a, a lot dark of comedy it's maybe? a dark comedy maybe yeah, if you're gonna go yeah but the ending's yeah. real dark though i mean the ending yeah. is real <laughs> it's pretty messed up the, the ending itself uh where you know he she's uh, the homie gets trapped inside of the kid right the yeah. uh, uh, malkovich and, and felt the, like that uh, uh that black mirror episode um, from like a year or two ago and Which stuck one? in the doll or whatever. Oh, oh that that's one? awful. Yeah, right, yeah, kind of yeah. like a similar idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I always kind of thought of, uh, you know, I, you know, and of course this is kind of silly, but I always kind of thought of uh, get, get Out as like the spiritual sequel. Have oh, you seen the oh, fan yeah. theory? Yeah. The being fan young. theory about that. Jordan Peele addressed <laughs> this too, where like Catherine Keener and, and Being John Malkovich is the same, same character in Get Out. Yeah, it's like what? really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. Jordan that's Peele crazy. joked like if he ever makes a sequel to Get Out, he would put John Malkovich in it. Oh. To try to like complete the trilogy. Oh yeah. yes. yes, it's cool. Yeah, I almost feel like that. Now that you mentioned Get Out, and now that you mentioned Black Mirror, which is similar to to like a Get Out type concept, where yeah. it comes to these types of stories that give you, not necessarily, that that give you kind of like a bitter ending, not not bittersweet sometimes, but mostly bitter. Yeah. Um, like a Being Jail Malkovich, which has a bitter ending, and like. Black Mirror, which almost every episode has some sort of like, oh crap, that's really sad, but it also has a commentary on something. Also right. like a Get Out, but even though Get Out ended on a positive note, um, I almost feel like that's kind of the stuff that people, people, directors now like a Jordan Peele and directors, future directors like an RB3 can take <laughs> these types of like movies as inspiration for the stuff they're making now, like a Get yeah. Out, like a Black Mirror. Uh, another example of something that kind of blends the lines between comedy and drama is Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. And how Donald Glover, I don't know if you watch I, Atlanta. I've seen one episode, but I can I can see where the inspiration would come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like this realism kind of. Well, what's great about Atlanta, too, now that they're entering season two, just like we are, um, <laughs> they finished season two. Um, but the way that they took their, their concept and how they pitch it almost like, you know, the first five minutes of Atlanta or the first five minutes of episode one. And you're like, crap, this is like not a f- comedy at all. I yeah. don't remember the yeah. first episode. Yeah, the first That's episode like a of serious season two. Yeah. drama <laughs> action scene. And then, but there's other episodes that are straight up comedies. It, it's that blurring. And some episodes that are straight up horror movies. And some <laughs> yeah. straight up horror movies. And some yeah. people got comedy out of that horror too. Yeah. It's that concept of like the audience member defines what they're watching, right? Mm. Whether it's a comedy or a drama or stuff. There was that controversy of the Golden Globes defining Get Out as a comedy, yeah. which I personally feel like it's not it's a thriller it's not a comedy I say but some comedy. people you said it's a comedy oh yeah, yeah I do remember you oh yeah that. that's right yeah. Yeah. Um, I still think it's a comedy and yeah. I, I, I still think it's a thriller but it's one of those things where audiences aren't really not being able to define a genre is like a genre within itself yeah right. how like it takes you in with the comedy aspects of it but then it kind of turns it on your head and makes you feel certain things that you didn't think you would feel for example I just finished watching American Vandal season two. Mm. I don't uh, know if you've seen that. I've seen the first episode. I haven't seen it. Um, American Vandal season two. I literally just talked to Copster about it outside. And I told him, I said, it's crazy how I started out this season, and I'm not going to spoil anything, kind of laughing the whole way through. Yeah, and yeah. then I ended the season like, 
oh crap, this is like at the verge of tears. Like emotionally like drained. It's, <laughs> yeah. That show is brilliant. Man. I love so the first season. It's so crazy yeah. how like they can take the, the most absurdist type comedy and then transform it into like a really well thought out kind of bittersweet ending that makes you think about society within itself. Yeah. Do you feel like that's kind of what Beam Jal Malkovich does? It, it kind of takes a, an, absurdist comp- uh, an absurdist concept, pitches it almost as like a comedy, and then kind of turns it on your head and says, oh, no, look how shit dark this can up. get. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah no, I think, that's, I think that's the biggest part of it. And I think that's why um, it was so subversive when it came. I think it's still very subversive now. I think there's not really any movies that have come out that have resembled this kind of sense of like freshness or original originality and the you know um uh, as as expansively as i think this one was because i remember i remember even showing a buddy of mine this movie and who has no interest in movies like whatsoever um but he was like super drawn in and i remember when he i remember uh for him because he's just i mean he's not he's not plugged into movies but he's a smart he's a smarter kind of dude um not smarter dude but he thinks a lot and he asks a lot of questions so like literally like he got super excited when john malkovich was about to go into john malkovich's head like what does that look like you know i think that 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 whole concept is i think the whole thing and i also really appreciate it because it also kind of has some very subtle like lgbtq uh you know um, oh yeah kind of ahead of its time in that regard yeah 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 with the you know theme you know to to uh, female uh, lovers here, yeah, yeah, uh, kind of trans, you know, trans, you know, um, yeah. stuff here too with being in a man's body, but yeah, yeah. And kind of being stuck inside a body that you f- don't feel it's your own, right, right, yeah. right, exactly, yeah. absolutely. I, yeah. oh, that's that's great. I didn't even it's notice a good that. movie, guys. Yeah, yeah it's great. Just kind of discovered this, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, ten out of ten. Yeah. It's it's that it's that awful idea of like. But it's also like how terrifying and how that's an actual like genre within horror itself is what, what do they call it like body horror when it's someone con- possession someone controlling yeah, your body yeah you, you can qualify as that yeah. um, mm-hmm. where where it's like you don't have control over your own body and that's horrifying it's a within terrifying. itself yeah um, I, even when Get Out did it when they described that 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 the concept of the what is it called the sunken place mm-hmm. and the concept of the sunken place how that that within itself is horrifying just being able to see but not being able to control anything like mm-hmm. that's yeah. That's a horror movie. I mean, that's that's literally that's crazy. possession. <laughs> yeah. So this is a comedy. We're gonna yeah. call it that. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it has so many different elements, and I guess that's what makes it stand the test of time. Because did you guys rewatch this, by the way? Do you feel like it holds up? Um, I haven't seen it in a while. But yeah. do you feel yeah. like it might just from your memory? I think it memory, should. I think it, it holds hold up. up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I doesn't. I don't matter. It doesn't matter if it holds up to me. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just love how it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I yeah. think it holds up. I mean, I think all. I think all of his movies. I think all yeah. of. Uh, Charlie Kaufman's writing still holds up too, because I think uh, he comes from a very postmodernist perspective when he comes to like it's a good word, being Robert. postmodern. Hey man, it's college mm-hmm. word. Hey, I'm not paying seventy five thousand dollars a year for nothing. Yeah. Like, hey, yo, you get my money. Uh, that's right. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's yeah. But I think it, I think it, I think he I think he approaches in a very way that like stands the test of time, even for the future. So sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Charlie Kaufman, let's get into adaptation. Yes. Yeah. which is his next movie. Came out in two thousand two, starring Nicolas Cage as. Charlie Kaufman mm-hmm. um, and as and Donald, Donald yeah. Kaufman, mm-hmm. which is so weird when you first watch this movie because you have no idea what's going on and you're like, is that is that his twin or is that like his other self or mm-hmm. is that like another side of his brain? Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess is, you know, how many different, speaking of meta, this movie gets meta, Ooh. so meta. Yeah. yeah. Meta to the meta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it could it could even be a, a metaphor within itself about that, about being kind of two different people and how they feel about 
you know, two different sides of yourself and how you're always frustrated with one side and then you're frustrated with the other side and you can't make up your mind as what side you truly are. Yeah. Um, so this movie, I'm also curious to see theater's reaction to this movie coming out of it because Again, you can't really qualify the genre because saying yeah. it's a comedy for me is like selling it way short considering how many deep themes they get into in this movie. Yeah. But this movie stars Meryl Streep, Nicolas Cage, uh, Chris Cooper's in this yeah, Chris movie. Chris Cooper, yeah. Uh, Tilda Swinton is in this movie. Um, who else is in this movie? Who plays Freaking, the uh, uh, screenwriting uh, instructor? What was his name? Uh, Brian Cox. Brian Cox, yeah, yeah. Mm, is in this mm, movie. Mm, mm. Uh, what's her name? The girl who's like in every movie. Uh, Julie Taylor? Julie uh, Taylor? I don't know. I don't know, I don't um, know that. She plays the mom in Jurassic World. Um, I don't know who that is. Yeah. She makes a brief cameo in this oh, movie. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about now. Uh, um, Judy Greer. Judy Greer, yeah, yeah, She's yeah. like in everything. Yeah. And she's in this movie. What did you say before? Jurassic Julie World. Taylor. No, but would you, you said Judy Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Judy, Judy Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Judy I mean, Greer, it's not a bad guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you look at her from afar, you're like, yeah. oh, Julie Taylor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she looks like a Julie Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Judy Greer. Either way. I always find it fascinating to see these types of movies with this kind of cast with a director who's done one one movie beforehand and yeah. not, you know, a super well-known director. And you're working with the Meryl Streep. Like, even in 2002, it's still, it's still the Meryl, Meryl Streep. Streep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I find it fascinating on, on that account. But ultimately, this movie blends so many different types of things. What do you think it's the overlying theme within this movie? Um, overlying theme. You want yeah. to crack that one, Cody? Or? <laughs> no, off the top of my head, I can't. <laughs> top of your head. All right. Well, I, I, I was I, a shit ton. That's yeah. That's that's a, that's a deep question. I mean, I think I think this movie's saying a lot, man. I think this movie is saying that the way we look for love is, you know, not necessarily um, within other people, but we have to look at ourselves first, right? Mm. And I think that's why having the duality of having twins is, is like a mirror reflection of yourself mm. makes that so makes that a much more interesting dynamic because he's he's always wrestling with like the positive and the negative of himself. You know what I mean? It's just externalized, you know? Mm. Um, but he has to find you know, uh, the Charlie Kaufman character himself has to find himself, and so does, um, and, and able to write his adaptation, able to beat the writer's block, but it's also about, um, you know, the story that he's writing is about somebody looking for love within themselves um, outside of the, the uh, what's, what's, what's Chris Cooper's character's name? Oh, I forget. I forget I remember the J name. Yeah, remember something like that. Yeah, it's Teeth, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But it's, it's, it's all about that, you know what I mean? I kind of feel like it was all yeah. about... John, John LaRoche. John LaRoche, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but I, 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 I know they call him Roche in the movie too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, it's about finding love, but finding love in other people, but also finding love within yourself. That's how I take. Meryl oh, Streep is kind of going yeah. through the same thing in this movie too. Mm -hmm. Her character is going through a lot of similar themes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I agree. But I also feel like. Um, the name of the movie is Adaptation. So obviously it's about originality. Yeah, um, that too, yeah. And course. it's about, you know, what what is original, if there is such thing as an original idea, or the, if there is no such thing as an original idea, or if right. there is an original concept, right? And I love the the whole idea because you, we're, you're a screenwriter mm -hmm. and we're, we're filmmakers. The idea of taking a book and adapting it, right? So it's an adaptation of an adaptation of an adaptation, right? It's an adaptation of Meryl Streep's Encounter with this plant orchard guy, mm -hmm. and then she adapts that into an article, and then she's adapting that article into a book, and now Charlie Kaufman is adapting that book into a movie. Mm -hmm. And the concept of like jumping from one point to another to another to another, and how a real life encounter can come full circle to become a feature film, right? Yeah. Or attempt to become a feature film, because eventually he doesn't, you know, 
doesn't really resolve itself at the very end, but we don't yeah. see the finished product of a feature film. So we see the finished product of a, of a book. Mm -hmm. But it's that idea of like, how can I take an idea and from, from meeting someone and I meet that person and I have so many thoughts about this person, so many preconceived notions about this person, so many misconceptions about this person, right? You see the goofy teeth. You see the ridiculous, which she even writes down, like uh, delusions of grandeur, mm -hmm. um, smells bad. Like she has all these concepts of this of who this person is. It's like a low-level white trash Florida dude. Mm -hmm. And in reality, he's a smart guy. He's been through some shit. Maybe that's why his teeth are broken. He lost a, fa he lost a family member. His wife divorced him right after he lost a family member. And it's all these deep themes that make him a much more complex human being than what she initially thinks he is, which is just this goofy orchard guy. Mm -hmm. So she learns to fall in love with him because she's starting to see who he truly is and not just the surface level of what he is. So I feel like that's a portion of the movie itself, too. It's so many different themes. And it's obviously I love the theme of, of adapting something, of taking what you believe to be someone's original idea and making that into a feature film. And I love the concept of like Tilda Swinton telling Meryl Streep's character. It's like, oh no, we got screenwriters for that. Yeah, yeah we yeah. got screenwriters. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh dang. Like, And I just saw the trailer today too, the irony of the Fantastic Beast. And it says, by, oh, yeah. written by J.K. Rowling. Is yeah. this, I think this is the first one she's written. No, she did, she the, did first the first Fantastic Beast. But yeah. And, and the idea, <laughs> yeah, don't get Ace talking about Fantastic Beast. Yeah. Yeah. It get all the facts. But but that's what I'm saying. Like, exactly. <laughs> all my knowledge of Fantastic Beast, which is none. Uh, um, but it's the idea of like I just thought it was funny how we're going to talk about this today of a writer of the Harry Potter books and now she's writing the movies mm -hmm. that are a story within the Harry Potter books it's that concept of like the writer of the book now becoming a screenwriter and then taking her ideas and making it a feature film for a much more bigger audience mm -hmm. but I don't know I just I, I find that fascinating to say the least and how you can take a subject, whether it be flowers, whether it be movies, whether it be art, and make that a love of your life, right? Yeah. Because that's what I think Charlie Kaufman starts to find, is that the love that in detail that she writes about flowers is actually the love that she has for a human being, yeah. which is Chris Cooper's character. Yeah. And how his love, he has to take that love and fascination and put it onto another subject, whether it be the author, because eventually he like falls in love with Meryl Streep, yeah. whether it be with the concept of success, whatever it may be, it's that falling in love is your biggest inspiration. I think you hit the nail I on the head there, there, man. There. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, adaptation, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's it. And I think that's, uh, I think that's also, you know, ad ad adapting an original content, you know, is, is, is something that we all have a conversation about all the time. But it's just great that this is a movie that promotes originality, even through adapting a book about flowers. So I'm yeah. with it. Uh, and also a salute to uh, uh, Carter uh, Burtwell. For the for the music. Oh, we did the score on that. One? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, no. yeah. I think this is. Uh, we haven't talked about Nicolas Cage enough in this movie. Yeah, this oh, is one of his best performances. Absolutely, both of, them, both of his performances. Oh yeah, both both of the performances. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right, dude. He uh, should he should got Oscar. I don't think both. he did. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, some of his best work. Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, I always thought I always say Nicolas Cage is really one of the greatest actors uh, that we have out. Really, yeah. really, you know what I mean. And and. Of course, he has a lot of bad parts, a lot of bad roles, you know, a lot of straight to DVD. <laughs> They're great in their you know own sense. I mean? Great in their own sense, yeah. right, right, right. But I mean, you know, you look at his resume: uh, Leaving Las Vegas, uh, Adaptation, uh, um, Raising Arizona, Raising Arizona. Mm -hmm. You know, all these great films. He's worked with like 
all the really most of if not all of the great directors um it's just you know he fell upon hard times and is not doing good shit anymore but that's just, i still think he's one to one he, of, he'll, one be of yeah, he'll, he'll be back yeah he'll be back he'll be back more yeah. spike jones again uh, man, <laughs> Nicolas Cage, man, he's such a good actor. Yeah, yeah. He's so freaking good. And he's yeah. great in this movie as well. Obviously, you guys already said that, but it's so true. It's something that doesn't really go as noticed. And back in 2002, man, this guy was in his prime. Yeah. yeah. Like, this guy was killing it. He was yeah. making stuff that people remembered. I remember, you know, watching a ton of movies growing up about Nicolas Cage. And this was like my era, the 2000, early mm-hmm. 2000s era. Mm-hmm. It's like my era of like watching a ton of movies. And yeah, he's, he's, Freaking great. But I want to get into another topic that I feel like Nicolas Cage brings up in this movie quite a bit. It's the concept of, you said it, RB3, how you view yourself. Yeah. Right? And I love how Brian Cox is giving that speech and is like, if you dare to have voiceover <laughs> in your damn movie. And then Nicolas Cage is like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> there's B.O. going throughout yeah. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, but the concept of how he views himself. And it's obviously I already talked about falling in love. And you said about loving yourself. But he demeans himself at every every five minutes within this movie, right? He calls himself a loser. He calls himself fat and bald. And he even writes himself into a movie as a loser, as fat and bald. <laughs> um, I love how it opens with the being John Malkovich, too, at the very it beginning. It opens with that, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, But even the main character in being John Malkovich is kind of that, yeah. you know. Similar, like, depressed. Similar, like kind of down just, on yeah. his luck <laughs> kind of guy. Almost like... I'm going meta, guys. Mm-hmm. How a Spike Jones maybe might perceive himself. How yeah. he's yeah. like, man, I'm just some dumb writer. Man, I'm just some dumb writer. Yeah. Like he's starting to write mm-hmm. within himself of a character who's actually a writer, who's actually a writer that's yeah. written his movie. Right, <laughs> I feel right, like we need yeah. like a chart to like of describe meta. Yeah, the, <laughs> the meta of this the movie. We're like, all right, guys, look over here. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's part of that's that's a lot of Charlie Kaufman too. I think that's yeah. a lot of uh, Kaufman's uh, writing yeah. going into that, and, and and that's something you see in all of his movies how meta and how extra layers of meta his movies are willing to go so i'm with it yeah yeah that's a very good point is like how the writer writing a writer is mm-hmm. viewing himself is right. probably how he views himself too and to a certain extent mm. because i feel like that's probably the biggest takeaway that i have from the movie on a personal note right because i'm that guy i'm that guy who's always like <laughs> should i do this no i shouldn't do i'm gonna mm-hmm. do know what i'm gonna do man i'm gonna get out and i'm gonna kiss her and then he just drives away <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's me all the time yeah. dude all the time i'm that's like all of us oh, man, we, all have, we all have those i'm gonna things. go up to this girl and get yeah. her number and then i'm like cool Bye. <laughs> it's all about just this movie's all about just finding confidence in yourself. Right? Yeah, that's, that's a that's a big one. Because I feel like throughout the whole movie, he's second second guessing himself and yeah. questioning himself. And if he only realized um, it, the confidence within himself to take that and to become a screenwriter that a lot of people view him as, and he's so many times he's demeaning himself to the point that now his brother is taking over yeah. and is becoming a better screenwriter than he is just because he had confidence, because he didn't care. Yeah, the he was movie, breaking all the rules of screenwriting and he was succeeding mm, farther mm-hmm. than you know he did. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's that one scene in the movie, and I guess we can finish on this, is, is the scene when his brother tells him, he says, oh, that girl that you had a crush on in high school yeah. <laughs> was actually making fun of you and I felt so bad for you. And he's like, why? I don't I don't care. I yeah. don't care how people view me. That's her problem if she's making fun of me. I still think I'm cool, man. And it's like, he kind of takes that and he's like, man, I've, I've always thought I was so much more talented than you, but I'm realizing even with your little talent, you can take that little talent and make it so much bigger. Yeah. And me with this huge talent, I'm so 
demeaning of myself that it I can't take. It goes the opposite end. You can yeah, take it so much lower. Yeah. yeah, I can't do. I can't do anything with this talent, and I'm more useless than anyone else if I'm not doing anything with my great talent. Yeah, and that's and that's what I always think it is, and and that's a real life lesson. You know, no matter how talented you are, it matters how hard you work. And yeah, obviously Donald Kaufman is a harder worker than uh, his brother. Yeah. yeah, and how you view yourself, man. Yeah. Come on, how yeah. you view yourself? Yeah, um, this is I. I gave uh, being John Malkovich a ten out of ten. Adaptation was a close being a ten out of ten. I saw this in my junior year of high school. Uh, and I, I really loved it. I just I thought I got a little too meta, you know. At okay, the end. it can be a bit overwhelming at times. Yeah, yeah. yeah the it also we talked about Predator. This also becomes a completely different movie. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of like Predator. Yeah, that's where that's where it was for me. I was like, I'm, is it know. the kidnapping scene? The kidnapping, yeah. alligators, the alligators. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was like, chase right. through the swamp and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, I was like, all right, this is getting a little too. You yeah, know. but hey, I, which I was kind it. of a reflection on screenwriting in general, though, which is another freaking meta thing that we're talking about. Right, right. Where it's like the third act has to escalate like crazy. Right. Right, right. Yeah. Because that was that was Donald's like script, right? His whole script was ending with the alligator and yeah, the kidnapping it's, it's something and stuff like that. Like yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's like he took over writing the movie halfway through. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, that's right. yeah, I like it, but I just you know, not that's a little so too true. hard for me. A little yeah. too rough for me. It's it's yeah. I think this movie embraces how ridiculous it gets at the very end because it's trying to tell you how mm-hmm. movies can be so ridiculous at the very end. Um, yeah, and uh, the fact that it even has like a, a scene with the set of Bean John Malkovich in it yeah. too, um, <laughs> yeah. and it starts out with Bean John Malkovich too. I, I don't know. There's so many great moments in this movie. Even with uh, I love everything with Tilda Swinton's character for me is mm-hmm. hysterical, mm-hmm. as she's like breaking down certain things. Uh, but either way, I say check out Adaptation. It's still a very interesting movie to say the least. Um, and then this movie is next, and yeah. that is where the wild things are. <laughs> Woo! A movie yeah. that only Cody Hall has seen. Apparently. <laughs> it's a movie only Cody Hall loves, too. Hey. Every time I tell people I love this movie, they're like, oh, I hate that thing. I'm like, why? Oh, why? I think it's a be- Robert, have you seen it? Yeah. Ace, you have not? I don't think I have. Okay, no worries. Oh, I'm trying to remember. No judgment. Yeah. I think you'd like it. Yeah, um, I think I, you would like I it. I think th- what this movie accomplished is incredible. Just uh, adapting a book that had like 10 sentences in it. Yes. That's the kind of adaptation I would like to do. Where it's so limited, you can it has this whole horizon where you can input all your creativity, and Spike definitely did that here. Mm-hmm. This tells a beautiful coming-of-age story about a kid who is messed up. Yeah. And it's just, it's so well done. It's a beautiful uh, mother-son story, too. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's just about growing up and being able to not be a little shit anymore. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely think that this is one of the better family films as of late. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it teaches a real important message to kids of, you know, uh, when we're looking for our escape, you know, we have to look for escape within the people that we, you know, love yeah. and cherish, you know, and I think that's a good message. I mean, and I think, you know, where he goes out and he meets these giant, fluffy kind of creatures, they look like animals and scary people. But they're scary, yeah. Yeah, but they, uh, they, they're they nice and cuddly and play yeah. and do, like, a bunch of the kids stuff that he does, too. Yeah. So It's about, like, making your way into the world. The world can be terrifying sometimes, but if you make it your own and have fun with it, you can have a great life. Ooh. Deep. <laughs> Let's go. Kids to see this movie. I'm telling you. It's not necessarily a kid's movie. It's not a kid's movie. But it's a movie that kids should see when they're ready, I think. I say a family movie. Movie. It's a family. family. Movie. Yeah, you take yeah. the family to see yeah. it, you know? Um, I cried, man. I, this movie makes me cry. I yeah. think it's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful film. Interesting. Very yeah. emotional. How was the reception for this movie when it first came out? I think generally it was well received. It was like a 70% of Rotten Tomatoes, something like that. Um, I thought it was my favorite movie that year. Um, oh, really? It was. Whew. This came out a lot for in me. 2009, by the yeah. way. Mm-hmm. So where were you guys at in 2009? I uh-huh. was in my senior year of high school, so it was no peak film Cody. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. 
This is a good one. Yeah, no, um, I don't remember where I was at this time. <laughs> I think I don't really. Fetus. I was being born. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't even know if I was like really into into movies yet. You know, like a hundred percent. Because uh, yeah. this was a little bit before Avatar came out, and Avatar was the one that like really like. Speak, what you know, year did Avatar interest. came out? 2009, oh. but a little bit oh, after, yeah. like you know. And um, but I, I definitely remember seeing this like on home video, and, and of course uh, watching some clips of it. I didn't watch the whole thing before coming here today, unfortunately. But so watching some clips, you know, I mean, yeah. catching up, refresher, you know. And um, yeah, I, I really do think that you know. Uh, I, I don't know about the reception when it came out, but I think it's definitely um, amassed a little bit of a cult following as of as I of late. So. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, hundred percent sure, but I think there's a good amount of people who understand what they're trying to do. I mean, I, I, I know, I know, as a kid when I saw it when I was a little kid, I didn't think it was like really fun. Like, it no, wasn't it, fun. That, it's not yeah, a fun it's, movie. It's not. It's no Pixar. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna yeah. be like, oh, let's all get the friends together and watch that again. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, nothing like yeah. That, I mean, that's just kind of depressing, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good though. It's good stuff. It's, it's kind of like yeah, the same themes that we've explored already in his first sure. two movies, but in a kids movie. Yeah. What, what yeah. would you yeah. say is the is the modern version of? What did you say? It's like a Monster Calls type. That's really? a good comparison. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. good one. Um, I, um, similar ideas yeah. there about like depressed kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. fun mm -hmm. times. Um, I think Monsters Call is a little more violent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I think, that, but you know, the imagery in this one throws a lot of people off too, with the with the giant heads and the the way their their mm -hmm. their, their faces like they move around. I thought the is it puppeteering or is it like animatronics? I think I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's I'm probably, not sure actually. Though, yeah. It's whatever, probably a combination. Maybe probably yeah. a combination. Yeah, but they're yeah. really good. I mean, that's. I mean the way the way they had the detail in the in the faces was was the budget on this was huge. I remember too because oh, it, really? it did. I don't think it made its money back. Oh, I think man. I want to say the budget was like a hundred mil. Like it was really? it was a big movie. Yeah. Um, they really hedging a lot on. I remember it came out. This might be why some people don't like it too much. It came out like during the peak hipster time. Oh, yeah. Arcade yeah. Fire was in the trailer. Oh really? <laughs> like, oh, really? I think I remember I was talking to Gobster about this. Like he's like, I saw the trailer. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, come on, <laughs> come on. But so I, that might turn some people off. But yeah. if, you, if you put that aside and just give the movie a shot, I think you'll really like it if you haven't seen. It. Wow, I mean this. I mean it did have a pretty good opening weekend with thirty-two mil. Oh yeah, nice. yeah, thirty-two mil is pretty freaking good. Yeah, um, yeah. interesting. It's a hundred million dollar budget though. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, if if it if it is a hundred million, I don't know if it is, but if it is, then yeah, that's a lot. Uh, um, Cody is oh, favorite? it is a hundred million dollar budget. It's, it's it is. Oh, Jesus I thought Christ. you were saying if it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh damn, a hundred million dollars. Yeah. That's why I'm like, where did huh? Where did that all spend? All right. <laughs> yeah, man, that movies aren't yeah, cheap. Man, so we did a much smaller film after this. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, what what you said is your favorite. You say or of his? Yeah. No, no, no. We'll get to my favorite shortly. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. let's do it. We have a new Joker, and his name is Joaquin Phoenix, mm -hmm. <laughs> and he is oh also God. in this movie. Yeah, um, I honestly that believe one. that we talked about it two weeks ago. I believe every three, who are the best working actors right now? Mm -hmm. I would put Joaquin Phoenix up there. Yes, yeah, one of the best working. Sure. I would put him as like one of the best. I don't know about you, RB three. Um, I put him up there. Yeah. At least top five for me. Yeah. Put him. RB3 is too picky, man. I gotta think about He's it. He's like, I yo, think well, hold on. Jurassic yeah, World yeah, Fallen yeah, Kingdom. Yeah. Up here. <laughs> Fallen Kingdom. Because I feel like I feel like I keep throwing around the top three, top five number too much. Like I can't say 20 people for yeah. top five. You know what I mean? Like yeah. but I think definitely Joaquin Phoenix Just say like they're in the conversation. They're in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's an easy way of doing <laughs> it. Yeah. Cool. They're probably in the top 75, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. They're somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you play it safe. 
I think Joaquin Phoenix is up there, man. I don't know. I, I every role he does, like the master. He's yeah, crazy master's in the amazing. Master. Yeah. yeah, he's so good in that. He's, I mean, freaking Commodus in in the in Gladiator. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. so oh, good yeah, he's great. as Commodus in Gladiator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays like the perfect psycho in that movie. Um, yeah. And obviously in her, I believe he's a truly spectacular performance in her. He gives a really great performance. And her, what, what year does this movie take place? Um, I don't know exactly. I don't know if it has year. an exact. Like yeah. or it's, it's in like I don't know twenty or thirty years from now. Yeah, I yeah. think something like that. What do you guys? Obviously, this movie touches on a ton of themes, and obviously, RB three is banged everyone's head about it when it comes to Blade Runner 2049 <laughs> but besides Blade Runner 2049 what what do you feel like this movie um, is saying about the future itself is it more a progressive future is yeah it- I, I think that's what makes her the most fascinating to me is that this is one of the only sci-fi movies that portrays an optimistic future you know what yeah. I mean that it doesn't pret- start out that way though it no. starts out like when they're showing everyone on the bus or just or the subway just on their phones just talking like and even walking across the street they just don't even talk to each other but you're yeah. right by the end of it it's it's a much more positive message yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's I, a much more utopian version of yeah, the world yeah. instead of dystopian yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah because i think it's, it's easy for a lot of sci-fi movies to get caught up in the deep blue like underlit like oh it's blade runner and everybody yeah. hates each other but this is just a movie people are just on their on their own worlds yeah and experiencing and Sure, are they being you know manipulated by computers or or you know having you know getting emo- you know getting emotionally attached to inanimate objects? Sure, maybe, but they're finding enjoyment out of it. They're finding happiness out of it. So it's kind of like Black Mirror to a certain extent too, right? It like is. like to me, like I definitely think the episodes like San Junipero takes a lot from her, and I think oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, at least you know from the aesthetic, right? Like yeah. from from being that kind of kind of futuristic and also you know nosedive takes a little bit from it too i think but interesting yeah um i mean everyone in the future wears a lot of pastel for sure yeah, yeah let's yeah. hope that Colors, color scheme the doesn't uh, that's color scheme dude that was those clothes guys oh man oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest man this movie plays with color so well mm-hmm. yeah so good like that's probably one of the biggest things in this movie is like as soon as it starts out you're like oh damn this is a really yeah the production cool design. looking yeah. movie mm-hmm. like right. the production designs off the charts, and obviously the concept of like taking relationships and how we develop relationships with people and now it's becoming the way that fast food changed the game for you know fast food for food yeah. and how we view eating it's now the tenders and the online dating <laughs> stuff are changing the game for the way we view relationships with people and not just relationships but the deepest of relationships right because when you want a couple when you want a marriage or when you want to be with that partner it's the deepest of the deepest of the deepest of relationships right so it's that concept of the commodification i guess of relationships and it's crazy now because um, we know people who've who've met off Tinder and stuff, so we can see the success stories of it. Didn't um, mm-hmm. Copster? Didn't he mm-hmm. met his girl off Tinder? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my best friends met his wife off Tinder. Um, you you met her at a movie theater, right? Yeah, yeah. Movie. But uh, Riley also. Riley uh, Roca. Yeah. Roca. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Roca Bumble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same idea. It, but it's that concept of like how it's being, you know, taking relationships and making it a quick way to get to know people. And now how you can get a relationship with the thing that gets you into relationships, which is your phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that concept of like AI. But one of my, f- I can't lie, my favorite scene in this movie is is also the funniest scene in my opinion. Is the scene where uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character is like finally building up the courage to tell Chris Pratt who his real girlfriend mm-hmm. is because he's like, oh yeah, my girlfriend, my girlfriend, my girlfriend. And then finally he says it. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, my girlfriend's like this. 
and Chris Pratt's like, "Cool, man, yeah, bring yeah. her along." Really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he thought he was, was gonna be like, "That's so yeah. weird." He's gonna judge him. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, "That's super cool, man." Oh, I'll introduce <laughs> you to my girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. And like Chris Pratt is playing like Chris Pratt. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, we talked about the best Chris's a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I said Chris Pratt plays Chris Pratt in every movie, which is not a bad thing. It's fine. Do like a March Madness style bracket with yeah. Chris Pratt with Chris's yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but either way, that reaction kind of shows what Spike was going for mm-hmm. in his movies. It's that idea of a progression in society to the point now that if you're truly not harming anyone, the decisions you make should not allow anyone else to judge you. Right, because we live in a city that is so open to the point that you know, the concept of judging within itself is is taking like, oh, why are you judging this person, right, for the decisions that they make, to the point that there's an even extreme side of it where it's kind of all bullshit. And I talked about that a couple of weeks ago too about how LA is all bullshit, um, because that's my I concur. I, yeah, I, th- thank don't you, worry. Cody. Yeah, because I, I still think it's bullshit. How they're yeah. like, oh, we don't judge, and then in the back they're like, well, who the hell is that mm-hmm. guy? <laughs> yeah, but it's the idea of like. If, if you want to get in a relationship with that girl, go for it. If you want to get in a relationship with that guy, go for it. If you want to not be a girl, go for it. If you don't want to be a guy, then go for it. Whereas, as long as it makes you happy. As long as know? it makes yeah. you happy. As long as you're not hurting anyone else, that's fine. And yeah. I'm cool with it. And I think that's what – I think that I think the movie offers an alternative, right, an alternative point of view where we do see the real-life relationship and the Amy Adams character and what she's going through mm-hmm. and her real life. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives you that, oh, real love isn't working out for people anymore because yeah. we've, you know, and I think is, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's not, like, really going to happen, but I think eventually someday people are going to find a new way to experience love or connection to some extent. So I think – you know, Amy Adams' character mentions that she, you know, she felt like she was left out from like the rest of like humanity almost to a certain extent, and I feel like that's that's a position that some people are going to be in. But you know, you have some uh, a character like Joaquin Phoenix who is so lonely, who who only doesn't you know he he doesn't really interact with any other people outside of you know his coworkers, um, but he finds companionship through his through uh, computers and, and through uh, you know through, through an AI system. He finds out how to be human. Finds through, out like yeah, it's exactly. all about you know Samantha tra- figuring out how to be human, but it's it's really more about Theodore. I would mm, say yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Learn how to love life again. But right. do you feel like and obviously this is me, my interpretation of it, almost at the end where where he's starting to realize like, wait a minute, I'm not the only one who feels this way and who's lonely and stuff. Mm-hmm. Amy Adams mm-hmm. feels the same way too. Wait a minute, what if I just get with Amy Adams? Like yeah. that, I mean obviously they don't fully, you know, dive into that at the mm-hmm. very end because it kind of yeah. ends on a cliffhanger, but it's almost that concept of like you're going through the same thing I I'm going through. We're kind of similar. Why have I always put up this wall with you mm-hmm. when I could have just been with you this whole time? I like, think that's it's, me. Yeah, that's I, what think I, took it, I, I see where you're going. I think it's more about connecting with people in general, okay. as opposed right. to like a romantic thing between the two of them. Sure, but um, I, I completely see where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah, that's a beautiful final shot. Too. Yeah, it's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah, but but I don't know. That that's kind of what I what I what I feel is the concept of like. Every time someone feels like they're the only ones in the world or like feel left alone in the world or feel like they're not seen or that they only like a certain thing that no one really likes. And mm-hmm. it's all kind of just bullshit. If you just kind of open up your spectrum a little bit and the and, solutions like right in front of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's just my takeaway. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. I might be. Yeah. I mean, Scarlett Johansson is <laughs> a good option anyways, even if it's just <laughs> yeah, your voice. No, <laughs> just Scarlett Johansson's voice. I'm yeah, good, no, man. Yeah, no, I'm definitely. set. Yeah, that's that's straight. I'm straight. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think this movie is one of the most beautiful movies, I think, too. And the way they have the production design, because I think they film some of it in Shanghai 
then some of it in downtown LA. And yeah. then like they stitched it, like, you know, they just cut them together, you know what sure. I mean? Like, and just acted like it was like indistinguishable, you know? But I think that's pretty dope, right? Like that's yeah. that's dope to show like the future. I mean, I think it, it says something, you know, a little bit politically, right? Like how our, fu- oops, I'm sorry, this water bottle fell. Um, how our future is gonna be influenced a lot by, by you know, maybe, you know, by Chinese, by, by big money, you know what I mean? How that's gonna influence our landscape here in downtown LA. And I think that, you know, it reflects that in, in the production design here. So I think that's really cool. It really nice. is like a stunning yeah. movie to look at for sure. Yeah, and it's the a D- beautiful movie. DP, uh, I really can't pronounce his name, but uh, Yate Van, I don't know. I'm solid really, effort. Uh, it's solid a solid effort. Right. Uh, yeah. Swedish guy, he's the guy who did uh, Dunkirk as well. Yeah, I, think I totally know that guy. I want to say. Interstellar, Interstellar. Yeah, yeah, I think he did. Interstellar, Interstellar, yeah. yeah, he says right here, Interstellar, yeah. So he's a, he's a, he, uh, the soft form colors. I think that's also what makes this movie unique too because a lot of times, you know, me and Cody have kind of talked about how like a lot of movies now either evoke the real orange or the real blue kind mm-hmm. of aesthetic. Yeah. Um, but this one has a very warm, very light kind of blue, not blue, kind of the warm orange aesthetic to, yeah. you know, present some sort of optimism and love. Mm-hmm. Um, also, again, salute to Rooney Mara for being in this movie too. She's yeah. great in her own scene. I yeah. love Rooney Mara. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a movie that has inspired other movies. Like you said before, it inspired a little bit of Black Mirror. Yeah, it inspired, inspired a, a lot little, of Blade Runner. A little bit of Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> Just a little it. bit. Just it was a few one scene, scenes. Robin. One scene. <laughs> that scene. I could see them borrowing. <laughs> I see the entire movie. But uh, it's the concept of like falling in love with your AI, too. Yeah. That, yeah. that Blade Runner yeah. 2049 kind of yeah. talks about as well. Yeah, I mean, this movie is ahead of its time for sure. I feel like it's very much ahead of its time because it's going to be a movie that a lot of people imitate in the future. Kind of like yeah. what we're talking about being Jal Malkovich and how there's people making, you know, the, the line yeah. between horror and comedy and all that stuff that people are making now. I think people are going to start to make like similar movies to her and how society can progress to a point where concepts that we never considered and that we consider to be weird and which I still probably consider to be weird. <laughs> if Cody comes in here, he's like, I'm in love with my phone, man. Part of me is going to think that's a little You're weird. You're not going to be the Chris Pratt in that situation. <laughs> I'll probably like, not. Oh, that's cool. And you'll be like, all right. You'll be the Rooney Mara in that situation yeah. where she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but at the same time, it's it's something that I feel like a lot of filmmakers and future filmmakers like RB3 are probably going to use in their work. <laughs> hey, so yeah, hopefully, there you go. Any yeah. last word on Mr. Spike? Uh, that's it for me. Spike, oh, man, just please keep making movies. But he hasn't made a feature length yeah, film man. since her. He's done some music videos. Yeah. Music stuff. videos. Gonna but, stop, uh, stop hanging out with Kanye. And start yeah. Making yeah, start making some movies. God I damn just, it, Spike I, Jones, I, we love you. Every time he does something, I love it. So I, I hope he keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the name of the song. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it full circle today, guys. Hey, that's it. There you go. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Meaning of Podcast. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed. Uh, let us know what's your favorite Spike Jones music video. What's your favorite movie of Spike Jones? Anything in the comment section down below, what you think of Cody Hall, let us know in the comments and we might read your comments on next week's episode. Either way, what I want to do is give a big thank you to Mr. Cody Hall for being a guest on this episode. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad you guys are recording here every week. Yeah, man. See every week. This is is a lot of fun. The first official guest, I believe it was a success. You can follow Cody Hall at The Real Cody Hall on Twitter and get him to Mr. 10,000 followers that he's almost there. He has a great profile picture. They have Jeff mm-hmm. Goldblum. That's right. In a big pile of dino Looking shit. Looking at the poop. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's what's up. Uh, you could, you could uh, do the two chains verse on that. Big <laughs> shit like a dinosaur did it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's did funny. Spike That's Jones funny. direct that? Because Cody yeah, Hall yeah, sure. is <laughs> big shit, bro. Yeah, Cody Hall. Either way, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We will 
Be back next week. And for the Meeting of Podcast, I am Ace. This is RB3. And we're peacing out. Peace out, guys. <laughs>